137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? This is Pixelated Paranormal, episode number 69. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we'd get through that with not one giggle, but we're children. Um, yeah, episode 69, Cryptid Encounters, number four. And I know last time I promised or teased the, the Jersey Devil but I didn't tell you guys. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> I didn't tell you guys, but I've got this weird thing, and I may have talked about it before. I call it seasonal insomnia. And every year, right around the time, you know, October, November rolls around and daylight savings is coming, I get this weird bout of insomnia that lasts for about a week. And it's not pretty. Like, I will sleep maybe two hours a night for, you know, about seven days straight. And then my brain just starts to feel like mush and everything kind of slows down and kind of feels like one giant reoccurring nightmare. Mm. And with that, like that's shitty enough. Um, I didn't really have the concentration to do the Jersey devil deep dive. Like I want to. And then, um, I had that poster to do for, uh, horror fest and it went very well, like an incredibly well. And then I had to kind of make a mad dash to make a secondary poster. And through all that, I just didn't have the time to do Jersey Devil. So we'll jump on that next time. But um, I'm going to kind of take the back seat tonight and let you boys up front. And I'm just going to kind of hang hang loose, I think. Sweet. Which will be all right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't think we got any really big announcements up at the top, do we? Nothing. We kind of covered that last time. Yeah, pretty much. Sweet. Cool, cool. Well, um, we'll just go ahead and jump right into it then and, and waste no time getting after it. Um, Steve, why don't you start off with uh, what you wanted to say? Cool. So uh, I recently came across this awesome book. It's called The Field Guide to North American Monsters. Everything you need to know about encountering over 100 terrifying creatures in the wild by W. Hayden Blackman. And it's pretty awesome because... This is all about cryptid shit in North America. Like everything you'd, everything you'd want to know. It's pretty awesome because every time we do one of these, I can just open this and just read from the book. So, yay. <laughs> uh, it's a fucking monstrous book yeah, too, isn't it? Yeah. It's huge. Let's see how many pages it, let's see how many pages it has here, Sean. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's even got a note section in the back in case you were to go That's nuts. hunting yourself. You told me that Aaron had that and you were excited to see it. And I was thinking there's going to be like a little like oh my God. not even a centimeter <laughs> thick, you know, little yeah. book. So and it's like a fucking compendium. Yeah, it's 250 pages. <laughs> and fucking at the hell. end of it, it's like, so you want to be a monsterologist? And it goes through like all these tips. And then in the back, there's an appendix. Appendix A, sample questionnaire. Witness data, name, age, and sex, occupation. Describe the details of the sighting, including time, date, and location of sighting, terrain, weather conditions. This is hilarious. Did you ingest any form of alcohol, medication, or drug prior to the sighting? Are you in good in physical and mental health? Like, here's like a, a questionnaire and ask, ask people, yeah. are you fucking insane? Like, are you fucking insane? For flying monsters only. Are you high How far or above the ground was the monster observed? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but another cool thing is that get every one of these... Uh, cryptids it says there's vital statistics vital statistics and it's basically like the height the weight and then at the very bottom it has uh, did you just a, say weight 
Wait, did I? Wait. I think you said height and wait. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and then uh, at the very bottom, it has a a scale of one to five, not Boykins, but actual um, cryptid little <laughs> like skulls or some shit. And basically, that yeah. the one would be like the likelihood of you seeing it, and five being pretty high. So I don't think yeah. any of these have five because I think some of the oh, there's one right there, skimming through it. The chupacabra. I mean, really, you could just but, go down to South Broadway <laughs> and walk down the street and probably see one, but won't go there. I don't know if we but. can trust that book, Stephen, because it doesn't use the Boykin scale, so you might have to get rid of it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I wonder how many listeners out I there wonder, wonder, like, what the fuck are they talking about when it comes to Boykin scale? What's a Boykin? Yeah. I think yeah. by now they just quit questioning yeah. it and just roll with it. Yeah, everybody's just using it in their day-to-day life. Yeah, maybe we should explain that, maybe, though. Maybe you should back a little bit away from your microphone, Preston. Is this is this is this better? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> it just sounds. You get that weird, like crackly PA system blowout whenever you get excited and deep throat it. Damn, this is episode sixty nine <laughs> blowout and deep throat. Cool. So, <laughs> so yeah, this book is pretty pretty badass. Um, Aaron had it, and she's like, "Oh, you got to use this for the show." So as soon as I got it, Shit, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I've got I've got the most flex in the in the group now. So. Hell yeah, because I asked if you wanted to knock out the Dover Demon, and you just sent us like a screenshot of that book. You're like, fuck yeah, boys, it's in the book. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's, it's crazy. Uh, Preston's not in there, obviously, because his isn't in North America. But the one oh, you were yeah. going to do until you failed miserably yeah. <laughs> is, is uh, in the book. But yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So, so what I'll do is if you're um, – whenever we do the next episode, uh, for as long yeah. as we do the cryptid stuff, we'll – like if there's something in the book that you didn't mention or he didn't mention, it all tie in together. It's pretty cool. Shit, yeah. You can be our resident uh, intern, fact checker. Yeah, pushes up the glasses. Hmm. <laughs> right. Hell yeah. It's awesome, man. That's cool, man. Thank thank Aaron again for us uh, for getting that book into the mix. Sure. Sweet. All right, man. We'll start off with, uh, with the news, dude. What do you got? Cool. Well, um, so as we've said in the past – we don't like try to be political on this show. We want to respect mm-hmm. everybody's beliefs and everything like that. So with this and and all the things that I say with it, it's it's all like on the good, so to speak. So as everybody knows, well, most people know, uh, they did one of their first. Um, everybody's familiar with the Amber Alert on the phones. So if a kid goes right. missing in the area of your carrier, they will send an Amber Alert over your phone. That's like a loud beep, and then. It'll give you the details of the child last seen, make a model of the car, person possibly having them, and then you know some information about the child. Uh, this past week, we actually had what they call a presidential alert. Now, what that is is that it's the fed, uh, the it's the feds that have set this up with with the help of you know the entire government, but. It's a it's the first emergency message to test cell phones. So say like something unfortunately happened with a terrorist attack or some crazy disaster, whether it be like something EMP or I don't who who knows. This is something that they could send to all phones. They were testing it. It didn't go to everybody's cell phones. Just select select carriers and who who knows who knows how they tested it. Um, Supposedly, the rumor was you had to have your data turned on to receive messages off of Wi-Fi or some shit? Because I know two people who didn't have, didn't get the message. Mm-hmm. So it, Did it, you get it, Presto? Yeah, it was on my lunch, and 
was listening to a podcast, really getting into the story, and all of a sudden it was like, presidential <laughs> alert. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And it's it's really weird. Yeah, it doesn't really give. I mean, it doesn't. It didn't really. Um, been I don't know. It, I'm reading about it right now. Who pushed the button? Your picture a red button inside a glass box or a fire alarm stand style handle on a wall. This isn't that. FEMA officials use a device that's very similar to a laptop computer. So, um, so yeah, basically, it, my my thing is is another thing is like so as soon as this as soon as this happened, I read about it the day before, and that's what that's the conspiracy. Uh, Theorist, in my opinion, like, okay, like, this is a pretty big deal. Like, right? I mean, don't, don't you guys think, like, I, I to me, mm-hmm. to me, it's a big deal. Like, this is something that it's a new thing. I think it's a good thing in a way because, um, I was talking to some el- elderly people about this and, like, okay, in their generation, they're, sh- they're still on the news every night. They watch the five o'clock news, they watch right. the 10 o'clock news. They watch the seven o'clock, you know, like they're, they're all about yeah, that. Yeah. Our generation and even the younger generation never watch TV. We've cut the cord. We don't, sh- yep. we, we, we don't stream news sites at all. We're usually on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, in our phones all the time. Now, yep. Where we are in our political climate right now with news, people feel that like some, some stations are biased. Some stations don't, they tell fake news, blah, blah, blah. So, I think this is a good thing. It's just really weird that they're like, all right, Wednesday, we're going to test this. It's like, you're telling us on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, to me, this would be a thing where they're like, okay, you know, we're going to set this up within the next month and we'll let you know when it's going to be. But there's like no hearing of this at all. So I think that's kind of weird. Right. Another thing. Well, what a stupid. Okay, hold on, hold on. Go, go ahead. What were you okay, going to say? I wonder if maybe dropping the, the hint way, way, way late might have been smart because if you give people like the preconceived notion of, hey, we're going to drop, you know, a uh, a countrywide alert from the president across cell phones, if you give people enough time, they could probably hack into that infrastructure and figure out how to change the message or stop it or hack into it somehow. Here's the thing. You just uh-huh. – I'm glad you talked right before you did that. This alert has absolutely nothing to do with the president of the United States at all. And why yeah. they would name it? Yeah, <laughs> why? Why would they fucking name it the presidential alert? I don't understand that. The people that are putting this in place is FEMA. They handle all the mm-hmm. emergency response stuff, right? In in in, in the country, every every disaster mm-hmm. we have, everything like that. Why would you name it the presidential alert when you know the climate we're in right now? You know well, people think- will run with shit. You know people will will theorize that that mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. man in, in the White House is. Using this to get into people's phones, to sway votes, to sway political agenda. Like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. But people automatically think that, like, he he's sitting at his desk and he's typing this message. <laughs> First off, it would be misspelled. <laughs> Second off, it, does, it, does, it, it, it has nothing to do with the president. And, like, I just don't. Yeah. Like, I think about, like, because I was thinking about, like, you know, like, with this tying into, like, what happens if aliens, you know, like, some big massive ship was overseen. Montana right. in the mountains and people were like freaking out. They could use that for this possibly, you know, like something like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's really weird um, to see that this come out and everything. I, I don't know. I, it's mostly the reason why I want to bring it up is because of the conspiracy theorist type thing, you know, like when it comes yeah. to weird shit, like 
I don't know, man. Well, like, let me let me say something really dumb to make a really good point. Um, you remember like years ago, speaking of, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents watching the news all the time. Mm-hmm. In the past, when shit's really hit the fan on, on a global scale, you've had news break-ins. Like you're watching your soaps at like, you know, one mm-hmm. forty-five in the afternoon and all of a sudden here's, you know, Richard Nixon and, you know, we're going to war, folks, and blah, 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 blah. Like that was the same exact thing as his text message was yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. you're not going to be able to come on the news and be like, guys, I'm really sorry, but, you know, North Korea has threatened us and there are rockets inbound. Like a third of the, the population is watching TV. So if you can treat it more like an Amber Alert and you can hit everybody that way, like people are going to pay attention. Everybody our age and younger will get that message. So if I like yeah, to think exactly. that it, it's a test run uh, to make sure the system works because I've heard there's ways to turn off Amber Alerts and stuff like that on your phones, you know. So maybe people have probably deactivated that. So this could have been a way for them to test out another program that can kind of piggyback on top of the Amber Alert system and get through everybody's firewalls or – you know, your personal settings. But if you – here's the dumb part. If you watch the most recent season of American Horror Story, it's about Armageddon and the apocalypse and everybody's out just like doing their thing, getting their macchiatos and getting their, you know, nails done and stuff. And all of a sudden everybody gets these warnings on their phone like, oh, shit, there's one hour until, you know, nuclear uh, nuclear winter, so to speak. So, I mean, it's, it's funny, but that's the kind of shit we're dealing with right now. And this this show this show that episode happened before this thing. Yeah, it happened. Uh, it was wow, the first episode. So weird. I think we're on episode four now. Yeah, it's but, crazy. I mean, I think it's it's important just to note, and it's, it was an important thing for them to test out to make sure it would work too. Mm-hmm. But I just wish they. Would I don't know. It's interesting, man. Well, and not to it, spread mass hysteria, but it also makes yeah, you wonder, like, like, if we're testing that out now, like, should we be more concerned? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's an ounce of. Uh, I've also say, heard from. Of, uh, I've also heard. I've also heard from some of the you know uh, supporters of, of of Trump and stuff saying that like that's one of the things he's been big on is is preparing more for things like that and like getting getting to getting information to people better, whereas because yeah. that needs to be updated. So I don't know if that's true or not, but. If that's something he's in for, then I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's smart. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at some of these national disasters that happen and I think that they're, I think that the media has been pretty good and especially weather channels and stuff about, about like, look, you need to get out. You need to go to shelter. You need to abandon your, your place. And some people are like, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm not going to leave my stuff behind. And then unfortunately, you know, they might lose their life and like, and so yeah, things that they could like. Basically, pinpoint an area of, you know, say, rural Texas in this area where there could be a possible hurricane damage. Pinpoint that, send send that alert so then people, you know, it makes sense. I ain't tripping about it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting nonetheless, dude. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's important to keep an eye out for warnings in case terrible shit's gonna happen. And I'm going to use that as a segue because the woman in my next news story is really wishing that somebody gave her a warning. Mm -hmm. Did you guys hear about this chick who was at the uh, Ryder Cup when she got hit in the eyeball by a fucking rogue golf ball? (laughs) That's insane. Wait. Oh, is there a video? (laughs) 
there might be. So last week, a woman sustained horrible injuries. I'm not laughing. This is really sad. I'm laughing as Preston just fucking <laughs> giggled like a lunatic. Um, last week, a woman was at the Ryder Cup, you know, watching as we all do. And something I've always wondered uh, watching golf on TV, like the three times I've ever done that, is fucking golf ball is basically a glorified tiny missile when it's launched, yeah. you know. Like a bullet. Are people guaranteed not to get hit or do they hang up like little nets that we can, you know, we don't normally see? How do they stop that shit from happening? Well, this 49-year-old woman from France was watching the Ryder Cup in the audience and she got hit in the eyeball by a golf ball so hard that her eye literally exploded on impact and she went blind instantly. Damn. Yep. Like I, that's oh, crazy man. shit. Like it's insane, dude. It's really insane. Her name was Corine Ramandi. Ramandi. She's French, so I'm probably spell, uh, pronouncing it terribly wrong. But basically, she says there was no warning about the incoming ball, meaning um, all those people gathered in the crowd were at risk of being struck, not just her. She says they did not shout for, which is, you know, of course, the golf warning of, you know, heads up uh, to make and to make a show. The organizers moved the tees forward on the sixth hole to allow the big hitters to reach the green in just one shot. So that's kind of shitty, too. We talk about like, you know, promotions and, and getting mm -hmm. really big uh, ratings on TV. They moved the tees up farther, uh, closer towards the hole so people could hit mm -hmm. them long drives. She gonna she get says, paid. Now, <laughs> without warning the spectators, this public cannot see the players and anticipate and protect themselves. That's why I'm angry. We have now filed a complaint in order to have answers to our questions to challenge all the organizers on behalf of the safety of the public as a whole. The organizers of the Ryder Cup have insisted that sufficient warning was given to spectators, but have released a statement expressing their concern and apologies for Ramondi. Our deepest sympathies continue with the Madame Ramondi and her family. Brooks Koipa, Koipa, who's the guy who hit the ball, um, says he's heartbroken about the incident and has contacted the family. We take our responsibility for the fan safety extremely seriously, and we have had have uh, and we have been in regular contact with the family since the accident to offer our support, and we will continue to do so. Millions of spectators attend and enjoy golf events every year. Incidents of this severity are extremely rare. Our safety of our spectators is our paramount concern, and this will continue to be the case. And then, of course, he says in a tweet, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I just wonder, like, when you say I'm offering my support, mm -hmm. what do you mean my support? Thoughts? Warms and fuzzies and shit like that, or like financial support. Sorry, you're blind for the rest of your life. I will pay you hush money every month. No, the first one. I mean, we, like we do it on <laughs> Facebook all the time. Like whenever somebody yeah, says, well, like, "Yeah, something hashtag thoughts happening. and prayers." Yeah. yeah, thoughts and prayers, hugs. Like, yeah, well, now that's all you got. Like, right? An asshole. And this is a shitty commentary on just the public in general. Uh, Ramondi went on further to say, "What shocked me was the spectators." We're taking pictures of me. No one was calling for help. No one was trying to do anything. She says also that she was afraid of being trampled while she was on the ground as the crowd is gathering to get ready for Tiger Woods to step up and take his shot. I don't know how to live with only one eye. I like walking, sport, and going to the gym and playing golf. So now it's fucking nuts. At these places, like where she's surrounded by by, by uh, paparazzi. 
and like reporters and shit. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's paparazzo there, um, watching. Yeah, you know, because I got I me mean, them pulling out their cameras like that. That's a news story for them. But let's be honest, dude, yeah, people are fucking shitty anyway, and they're right. probably gonna be like, oh look, this is crazy. Like, like it's what's crazy is that that if like think about that a, a golf ball being hit by somebody flying in the air, <laughs> hard as shit, right? Like or and hard, fast as shit. Yeah. And like hitting her eye. Like what are the odds of that? It could have hit her leg, her chest, yeah. back of her head, but like it hit her fucking eyeball. Like the yeah, the the odds of that happening is insane. And that eyeball could have fucking went into her like broke her skull and like punctured her skull to their brain or even hit her brain through the eyeball. Like that's fucking in- yeah. that's just with that force. Like that's crazy as shit. But yeah, she's gonna get paid, man. Like for sure. Yeah. Especially like she court battles if they can prove that they moved it up so they could get better camera shots and stuff instead of you know per- putting mm-hmm. safety first. Like yeah. Well, and you know, anytime you're at a you know a gas pump or at a shopping mall and a, and a fist fight goes down or crazy shit, nobody ever runs in to intervene. It's always fucking world star. And, yeah. You know, they pull out their fucking cell phones and record that shit and. You know, we used to have a problem with the bystander effect. Nobody wanted to help because they were in shock and they're also scared of being, you know, blamed. Yeah. Now nobody wants to help because they want to fucking get that shit on Facebook and be the first person to hit a hundred views and yeah. you know, a million view- views and likes on their yeah. fucking YouTube pages. I'd, I'd like to think, like, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a first responder to accidents. I'm first aid trained, CPR trained, um, and I've, I've went in. Without without thinking of things, seeing people getting car wrecks and being the first mm-hmm. person to stop sure. and and uh, like it, it it it's crazy. Now when it comes to like fighting and arguments, I try not to get into that because I do I do fear the whole like um, people are crazy these days and carry weapons. Oh and yeah, people some and sometimes people carry weapons that um that aren't aren't afraid to use them whether they're justified or not. Mm-hmm. So. And also, yep. like, if I hear an argument going down or some kind of disrespect going down, and I'm like, the person deserves to get their fucking ass beat, let it roll out, you know. Yep. And but that's why I live Prime. my <laughs> yeah. what's that? <laughs> so goddamn Optimus Prime. But like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but when it comes to something like this, like that, that's clearly a freak accident, and like, you you don't want a bunch of people like, okay. So video video to me, isn't always a bad thing, especially in a thing like this, because then they can gather evidence that way. Sure. And they can see things from different angles. See, you know, shit like that. So that's great. But like when you clearly know that this is like a medical emergency, you also don't want a bunch of people responding at the same time. Sure. Sure. Part of being a first response, first aid responder and CPR is like you, you announce that you are. So yeah, people will be like, okay, he or she's trained for this. Let's roll with that with that person, and they have bystanders set by in case they need a hand with something or to you know direct medical attention to the person. You know shit like that. But right. yeah, everybody wants views. Everybody wants to go viral. So yep. everybody needs that clout. People are, <laughs> <laughs> people are nuts, and it's a scary time. And that's why I live my life by the top five things. Every man should have on them at all times from GQ magazine. And one of those is a knife. GQ magazine says every man should have a knife on them at all times. A simple, small, foldable pocket knife. So, folks, be packing. Yeah. 
<laughs> but seriously, I, carry, though, I do keep I carry a little a buck uh, knife on me all the time. Well, that's because you're a hillbilly mason. I don't keep a fucking buck knife on me. Does, that, uh, does the hilt have a, like a wolf head on it too? No. Oh my god! Like, it would. It would be. <laughs> it's like an old the, the hilt has the head of a wolf with a fez on it. <laughs> oh my god! That'd be pretty badass. <laughs> that would be, be pretty funny. <laughs> no, I mean that's true. Like I think you ought to. You ought to be packing a knife at all times. Like the other day, I was doing some stuff and. Uh, we were hanging some things. I forget where I was at. And the guy I was with is like, oh, I forgot a pair of scissors. You happen to have a knife on you? And I'm just like, Quitch! I sure as hell do. <laughs> always be the guy in the room with the ink pen and always be the guy in the fight with a knife. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, I think the lady who got hit in the eye by the golf ball probably could have used a stiff drink. And that takes us on to our next story. In Minnesota right now, there's a case of a lot of wild birds getting fucking shit-faced drunk in public right now. Hmm. So, of course, birds eat berries. That's a fact. And in this town in Minnesota, due to the early onset frost setting in, a lot of berries are fermenting early. And so several flocks of these birds are eating the fermenting berries and getting pissed drunk. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And wandering around the public and harassing people. Uh, last Tuesday, the department posted the police department posted a notice on Facebook warning citizens that it has received several reports of birds that appear to be under the influence, flying into car windows, flying into cars, flying into windows, and acting confused. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> it's like they're just sloppy and clumsy. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the boots are. <laughs> apparently, Boys. the birds. <laughs> What'd you say, Preston? The Boyds. The Boyds. <laughs> Apparently the birds are getting boozed up from berries that fermented early, earlier than normal. Matthew Daughter, a self-described bird guy. <laughs> this guy, he loves it. He's finally getting his five minutes. He's been waiting the whole time. <laughs> he said I could be anything I wanted to, and I wanted to be a bird guy. <laughs> I like how they, uh, they it, just quote it, bird guy. <laughs> Bird guy. Matthew Daughter, self-proclaimed bird guy in Palo Alto, California, told the Washington Post that since there's no such thing as a birdie breathalyzer, you have to look at their in-flight behavior to the level of aviation intoxication. Quote, they'll be flying kind of erratically. We typically see them flying lower than usual through traffic. They're just careless and they're not looking for cars or obstacles. He said robins, cedar waxwings, and thrushes are the bird species most likely to tie one on since they eat more berries than other species. They just get sloppy and clumsy. They have actually fallen out of trees on occasion. <laughs> well, haven't we all, folks? <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> the Gilbert Police Department post said that the birds will likely sober up soon after the fermented berries are all eaten and ask locals not to call unless they see angry birds laughing and giggling uncontrollably <laughs> and appearing to be happy. Yeah. <sighs> That's awesome. They also said, awesome. uh, they also said bastard crows that eat it, I think will be okay because they're already dicks enough. They don't yeah. get Dude, drunk on top of Crows them. are savage and more intelligent than Labrador retrievers. Here's some more things that Gilbert Police Department said. They said, Heckle and Jekyll walking around being boisterous or playing practical jokes. Woodstock <laughs> pushing Snoopy off the doghouse for no apparent reason. The Roadrunner <laughs> road jumping in and out of traffic on Main Street. Big Bird operating a motor vehicle in an unsafe manner. Uh, Tweety, you, know, you already did that. Uh, and any other birds after midnight with Taco Bell items. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love the yeah. fact that most of these police departments have Twitter now. Yeah, yeah. And they, they it do is it amazing. To, yeah, to do like little uh Yeah, just quips. Yeah, like little quips, yeah. But you know what? Like fucking fair warning. On four twenty, I think it was in like in Lawrence, Kansas, yeah. the Lawrence police department were like, guys. It's April nineteenth. We suggest you go out and get all your code red and Doritos now because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have sobriety checks all through the city. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Hell yeah. Well, the last little bit of animal news we have quickly is apparently there's been an outbreak of monkeypox in the UK. Yeah. I've never heard of monkeypox, but if this photo that they've used is any indication, I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Um, back on the 1st of October, they said, if you're a UK resident and have had read certain headlines over the last few days, you may be wondering, what the hell is monkeypox and should I be worried? That's because three people in the UK have been admitted to a hospital with the virus in the last month alone. Two people got the disease while in Nigeria, where there currently apparently is an outbreak as well. In a completely unrelated but coincidental case... Oh, so those were two uh, completely coincidental, unrelated cases. The third person was a healthcare worker who helped care for one of the patients at Blackpool Victoria Hospital. They're all being looked after by tropical disease specialists, which means they're going to be taken out back and probably burned alive. That's how you do containment. First things first, don't worry. British medical experts have confirmed that these cases aren't going to trigger a national outbreak, and Public Health England has said the general public is not at risk. The fact that only one of the 50 contacts of the initial monkeypox infected patients has been infected shows how poorly infectious the virus is, says Jonathan Ball, professor of molecular virology at the University of Nottingham in UK. Or it means the shit lies dormant for way too long and we're all figgity fucked. Mm -hmm. Royally fucked because it's in the UK. Yeah, uh, there are two main creepy. strains of monkeypox, West African and Central African, and while there have been sporadic outbreaks across 10 African countries since the 1970s, it rarely crops up outside the continent. This is the first time it's been reported in the UK. Symptoms include fever, headache, an itchy rash that often appears on the face before spreading to other parts of the body, and like the chickenpox rash, it turns into blisters and then scabs over before it falls off, sometimes leaving scars. Other indications of monkeypox, you may crave bananas or throw your own shit at your own family. The illness <laughs> usually <laughs> oh. the illness usually lasts between two and three weeks. Yeah, so there is that, guys. That is your news. Uh, so um, we'll get into the main stuff here, guys. We're, we're rocking and rolling. It's only been 30 minutes. We're getting to the good stuff. Word. Last time it took like an hour and a half, I think. I want to do a quick shout out to do my it. buddy Chad. Um, he has just subbed and started listening. So, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. What Pretty up, Chad? Awesome. Thanks, Chad. And he wants us uh, – we, we put this thing out. I put it out yeah. literally like an hour before we started recording. So people um, want like questions, things he wants to chat about. Our buddy Ryan says, uh, Theorosis Bridge and Valley Center. And I let him know that we've talked about that a little bit before. Uh, and Preston's done some investigating out there. So I would love to do like a, even if we just took a phone out there and recorded a little thing here or there, that'd be fun. It's really easy. That would be cool. Close to us. And then uh, our newest listener, Chad, says, Dulce base D-U-L-C is that Dulce or what do you guys know about that yet yeah oh. Dulce New Mexico yeah 
So yeah. uh, it looks to be pretty well written out, so we won't be able to hit it yeah. today. <laughs> but, but it has to do with no, UFOs, that's fine. So I'm cool with it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, Dulce, New Mexico is a, a treasure trove of like weird activity and shit. Yeah. And that's funny, uh, Chad. That's something that I've actually had on my uh, radar for a little while. And I definitely want to get into that sometime uh, here in the future too. So that would be the shit. And uh, thanks for thanks for listening, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, I had somebody reach out to me as well, uh, Tim. And Tim asked if we uh, asked about butterfly people. And I know that was something we discussed way early on an early episode. Um, Rob actually brought up the Joplin butterfly people, but I actually wanted to touch on those again. Um, We'll be doing an episode, I don't know how soon, probably in November maybe we'll take a break from the cryptid stuff. And I'd like to do stuff about um, the the fae folk, the wee folk, and talk more about like fairies and – Trolls and other mythical creatures that cool. supposedly a lot of people have had have encountered. So Tim, we'll uh, we'll definitely jump on the butterfly people too uh, here pretty quick. So thanks for that. Word and Chad, Word. just yeah. just think, man, your new listener now you're going to be protected from monkeypox. So <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, we talked about doing uh, the Jersey Devil, and through my uh, annual psychosis, I'm not going to do that this episode, but we'll jump on it next time um, on our next scheduled episode. But what we are going to do is, um, Steve, you're going to hit up the Dover Demon for us, and then uh, Presto, you're going to jump on the Vietnamese Night Flyers. But I, uh, before we recorded this evening, um, I fell into a story um, of a man's firsthand account with a dog man. And that was something that, Steve, you brought up on the last episode. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and share that tale with you guys real quick because that's kind of a cool follow-up. First, I'm going to have a little sip of this uh, coffee and rum that I'm nursing. Babysitting. Take your time, boo. Take your time. <laughs> so um, – Steve, do you remember when you talked about the uh, the dogmen? Did that focus on Oklahoma at all? No, mostly just that Michigan area. So apparently in Oklahoma, there are dogmen sightings as well. And so the story that I read took place about five, ten years ago, before people started carrying around like flat screen phones with them all the time. And this guy mentions he was like in his early 20s, 21, 22. And he and his two buddies go out. On this camping trip, and they plan to like get, get this cabin, and uh, you got a bunch of beer. They're going to start a little bonfire out there and just get shit faced drunk, mm-hmm. like you know, as as bros do in the country. And so they get in their cars and they drive out to this little cabin area. They start a fire, just you know, sit here and pound back the beers, talk about their glory days and shit like that. And then as it starts getting later, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, the guy kind of gets sobered up. And he decides that, you know, this isn't really that fun anymore. Like, I don't want to be hungover and sleeping in like a shitty uh, sleeping bag or like on the floor of a cabin. So he tells the guys, hey, I'm going to head on back into town and go ahead and just sleep in my own bed. So he gets into his car, loads up his shit, and he takes off driving down a dirt road um, leading up to the highway. And in true horror story fashion, he gets, you know, half a mile or so away from the highway And all of a sudden, his car starts kind of sputtering out, and it dies. And so he can't get it to start back up. Um, It's a a manual, you know, um, transmission. He's trying everything he can do to get it to start back up, and it just won't start. So he kind of 
idles or, or rather just kind of rolls off into the side of the road and kind of puts it in park um, on the shoulder off in kind of a ditch area. And he thinks, well, I'm clear out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, I should probably just, you know, hike back up to the highway and see if I can catch a ride or flag down like a highway patrolman or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, he does what any good nerd would do, and he grabs the video game system that he has, uh, <laughs> puts it in its case. I don't know what it was. I'm assuming like a uh, 3DS or something. And then like any good survivalist, he has a homemade machete that he keeps in his back seat made from a lawnmower blade <laughs> and probably like what duct tape. Got a sling blade around here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And so he grabs those things, man, you know, Nintendo DS and machete in hand. And he just starts kind of hiking his way down the, the old dirt road towards the highway. Should have been a switch. Rube. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so he starts to kind of get this weird, eerie feeling that, like, something might be stalking him. And he kind of gets that, you know, the hair on the back of his neck's kind of tingling a little bit. And he's getting uneasy. Half and he's kind of doing the classic thing of, like, no, nothing's following me. Everything's fine. I'm not out here on a creepy road by myself. And then this this car comes up over the hill. And as the car comes up over the hill, the high beams light up the silhouette of something that looks like a giant dog up on, you know, the – the high-rise part of this uh, this road. Mm -hmm. And so as the car comes closer, it illuminates this thing's head that he describes as being like a German shepherd's head, a German shepherd's head, giant glowing amber eyes, huge hulking shoulders, and it's crouched down kind of like a man. It's got really muscular forearms and, and upper arms, and its feet he describes as being kind of like a raccoon's feet. And he's, he's fairly close to this thing, probably, you know, about 20 feet away. And the thing sees him and he just gets fucking scared shitless and just freezes. And then, of course, as the, the car kind of gets closer to this dog, man, it kind of like just scuttles off into the high weeds and the high grass on the side of the road. And so this guy's like, well, that looks like a giant pile of no fucking way. And so he runs over to the other side of the road and tries to like, you know, wave down the car and the car's already gone by. And he's completely in the pitch black darkness again. And then he has what a lot of people describe as the Oz effect takeover. And if you're not uh, uh, familiar with the Oz effect, what that is is when you are by yourself or in a group of people and you're just out doing something in the middle of the woods or wherever. And all of a sudden you notice the, the birds stop chirping and the cicadas stop buzzing and everything gets dead quiet. That's known as the out. Oz effect. Yeah, that's that's nature's way of saying you done fucked up, son. Yeah, And everything goes quiet. He can't hear the wind anymore. He can't feel the leaves rattling. There's no more, you know, bugs uh, chirping. And he just says, fuck, you know, and just takes off running as fast as he can. And then he gets closer to the side of the highway and he can see kind of like a barn up ahead off in the distance. And next thing you know, a spotlight shines from this barn over onto the high of the street where he's running mm -hmm. and he stops dead in his tracks like oh fuck am i in some guy's yard am i about to get shot and he turns around and this thing is standing there on all fours and when the light shines on it it stands up on its hind legs more like a werewolf and he describes the thing as looking more like um the werewolf that uh oh what's his name on harry potter turns into lupin not lupin the other one wasn't there another werewolf? oh uh just the evil one the where the 
like gray beard, gray, gray, gray back. Gray back? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fenrir Grayback. Yeah. He he likens it. <laughs> likens it. Liken, oh, pun. Ah, uh, um, he likens it to the uh, the werewolf off of Harry Potter. And it stands up and it takes a couple steps towards the guy. And then, of course, a sheriff's patrol car comes riding off of the highway onto the dirt road. And the headlights shine on the beast. It looks over at the cop, looks back at the guy. And he says it kind of sneers at him. And then turns around and walks slowly into the tall weeds, gets down, and then bounds off into the night. And, of course, the sheriff stops him. And he's like, I got reports of some weird guy walking down the highway or the dirt road by himself. And is that you, son? Are you okay? And he just fucking spills the beans. Like, holy shit, man. My car broke down like half a mile back there. I'm walking. I think there's some kind of large dog who's stalking me. Blah, blah, blah. And so the cop takes him back to his car. They can't get the car started. And, of course, he gets a ride back into town. And then now, of course, he's scared shitless to do any kind of camping on his own or <laughs> drive down dirt roads. But, yeah, that was in Oklahoma. And I thought that was kind of cool, man, because I thought that it was just a secluded story, like you said, Steve, up up north. So yeah. kind of a, a fucking cool deal, man. So, yeah, I thought that would be a fun little follow-up and a little uh, palate cleanser uh, before you get into it, Steve. So. Uh, without further ado, man, let us know what the hell's going on with this Dover Demon. All right, here we go. So the Dover Demon, vital statistics, distinguishing. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerd. Yeah. You've got your Jurassic Park hat on, too. You're in up to win. Oh, I forgot. Dude. You guys can see me when I'm putting the coordinates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. Start over. Right. Vitals? Yes, vital statistics. Distinguishing features, peach-colored skin, luminescent orange or green eyes, long fingers and toes, and a huge head. Height? Only four feet. The weight, it's unknown. Range and habitat, Dover, Massachusetts. Population size, unknown. Diet, unknown. Behavior, the Dover demon wanders back roads at late, at late at night on unknown errands. <laughs> He's going to get groceries or something. It is easily startled. <laughs> I've got to mail this letter quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it is easily started, startled and quickly darts away from approaching humans. So, then the encounter, the accountant's meter of you actually seeing this or meeting this little <laughs> demon is a one cryptology bird. So, I think it was one like crypto boykin. Yeah, yeah, one crypto boykin. <laughs> so, uh, the book says that in April 21st, 1977, a 17-year-old boy named Bill Bartlett caught a bizarre-looking creature in the car's headlights while traveling a darkened road in Dover, Massachusetts. Bartlett and subs- subsequent witness described the monster as a as a tiny creature with a head that vaguely resembles resembles a watermelon sitting atop a thin neck. Creepy. It lo- it lacks ears, a mouth, or a nose. Hmm, sounds like an alien. And enormous uh-huh. eyes, alternate alternately glow orange and green. So it's largely hairless. It is covered in a rough peach-colored skin. Its toes and fingers are long and nimble, and it frequently travels on all fours using its enormous hands and feet to help navigate even in the rockiest terrain. Ah. During the initial sighting, the monster stood in Bartlett's headlights for a moment, then disappeared into the shadows at the side of the road. I'm just picturing, like, uh, signs in, like, the cornfield. <laughs> like that shit. Right. You know, the alien, like, looking. But it, but it has a dopey look on its face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bartley and Bartlett uh, immediately sped past the scene, like, who wouldn't? And two friends in their car, neither of whom had seen the monster, noted that Barrett was visibly shaken. 
after he confessed the sight and they encouraged him to return to the scene, but they found no sign of the monster. In later interviews, Bartlett insisted that he and his friends had not been drinking that night, although they had smoked small amounts of marijuana prior to the encounter. Hell yeah. Just a few hours after the Bartlett sighting, 15-year-old John Baxter was walking home when he spotted a tiny figure in front of him, mistaking the creature for a short friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just have a random four-foot-tall friend? Like, Hey, that's my friend Bill. He's just small. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Um, he called out to it, then gave chase when the entity fled. After pursuing the mysterious beam down a step in, step, steep embankment, I'm terrible at reading out of books, guys, so uh, You're all right. like, I jumble my words, so sorry, listeners. Uh, he realized he was chasing a monster and fear- fearfully backed away when he, re- <laughs> like he realized it wasn't his little four-foot friend. Wait, that's uh, not Watermelon Head Ted? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> watermelon Head Ted. <laughs> he ain't got fingers like a squid. Yeah, no shit. Quick, Tommy, poke it with a stick. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Uh, both Baxter and Bartlett, who had not conferred with each other, made sketches of the creature within hours of their respective sightings. The drawings were were amazingly similar and consistent with later reports of the monster, which soon became known as the Dover Demon. On the following evening, sometime after midnight, the Dover Demon appeared again. On this occasion, wow. there were two witnesses, Will Tainter, hilarious, 18, <laughs> and his girlfriend, Abby B- Barbham, yeah, Brabham, something like that, 15. Uh, Will, who had heard of Bartlett's encounter with the, do- the demon earlier that day, was driving towards Abby's home when the pair noticed a small figure crouched on all fours near the road. Both witnesses were certain it was not a naturally occurring animal, such as a cat or raccoon. You fucking think? Thing looks nothing like a cat or raccoon. <laughs> terrified, terrified, the couple sped to Abby's home, where they told her parents and authorities about the encounter. Soon after the teens came forward, investigators visited Dover in search of answers. Unfortunately, the Dover demon failed to reappear for researchers scouring the area, and monsterologists have been left struggling with numerous questions about the beast. Most important, investigators have been unable to determine the Dover demon's origins. UFOlogists interested in the case still contend that Dover demon is extraterrestrial, perhaps stranded on Earth or, deposit, or deposited on the planet to investigate human culture. Except for the monster's alien appearance, however, there is little evidence to support this theory. More recently, the Dover Demon has been linked to creatures known to the Native Americans as the, I'm going to butcher this, Maymay Guashi, a race of diminutive humanoids dwelling around the Great Lakes. But while the Maymay Guashi do have large heads, they are generally described as hairy and foul-smelling, traits the Dover demon does not share. So what is this creature? While even the most experienced monstrologists are uncertain, it is most likely the Dover demon is a a member of an unidentified species that occurs naturally within the vast wilderness and enchanted backwoods of North America. Sadly, future meetings with the Dover demon may be impossible. The creature has not appeared since its short-lived initial visit in Dover in 1977. Still, the monster has become a very real part of monstrology, cryptozoology, and ufology, and should not be forgotten. Its sudden appearance, coupled with its equally mysterious disappearance, raises far too many questions. So, yeah. It's a fucking alien. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, you, you look at the sketch, and we'll put that in the image companion. But, like, it looks like an alien. Yeah, like, it's weird. Really yeah. Creepy. And what I read about it when I was younger was it had feet that were kind of like... 
you, you guys remember the movie War of the Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Those aliens had long, like tentacle-like fingers, and they had like almost like suction cups on the end of their fingertips. Yeah. It kind of looks so like that, that's the it? way they likened his feet, mm-hmm. and they said his feet had long uh, tentacle-like toes with suction cups that would help it like grip onto rocks or wrap around tree trunks to climb trees, and, and its fingers on its hands were the same way. It's almost like an alien that has fucking octopuses for uh, hands and feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creepy. I'm just trying to mail my letter. Oh. <laughs> oh shit! Well, that's that's cool, man. I, it doesn't have any modern day sightings per se. Um, there's tons of stuff online about like, oh, I took a picture of this thing running out my house when I got home. I heard something in the kitchen and I chased it outside. It was just his four and, foot friend. <laughs> this old watermelon head, Ted. <laughs> a lot of people keep chasing me when I'm trying to mail yeah. my letters at midnight. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. This oh, thing. Yeah, looks, that's I mean, when you do a Google search for it. This thing looks like an alien. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's an alien, dude. It's totally an alien. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Aliens. Oh, yeah. Well, um, on our next cryptid encounter, we're going to actually leave the shores of the good old U.S. of A. and head over to Vietnam, man. Because presto, you got a you got a fun one, I think, dude. I don't even I didn't even read your notes. I'm going into this shit blind because I'm Fuck just yeah, excited. Yeah, that's the way to do it, buddy. <laughs> right, right. So uh, tell us about the Vietnamese night flyer. So this motherfucker can actually be seen in all corners of the world. Okay, so we're not just leaving America. We're going like from the USA to Africa to Java to Vietnam, India, South America. And I think quite possibly I discovered the true origins of the Vietnamese night flyer. I think in my youth I've spotted it. Okay, perfect. One of my brother's ex-wives. One of your brother's ex-wives. How many brothers do you have? Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Or do you mean one of your brother's ex-wives like he has multiple ex-wives? Oh, yeah. He's got like five. Okay. So we can dig you out of that hole a little ways. Yeah. I mean, I knew what I wanted to say. I just didn't deliver. I'm sorry. Hey, you're all right, buddy. Yeah. Well, anyways, in Brazil, they're called the bat people. In Mexico... They're called the giant death bat. In the rainforest of Java, they call it the ahul because it makes some weird like ooh, ooh noise when it you know goes to attack Weed people. Weed woo, weed woo. And uh, in Vietnam, it's simply known as the night flyer. And in the Philippines, it is simply known as the manananggal or the tick tick. Ah, yeah. But let's not be done or outdone by the rest of the world because in America, it's called the Bat Squatch. <laughs> and if we've learned one thing from last episode, it's if you can fuck it, Bigfoot will. And I swear to God, that's how we get the Bat Squatch, the Sheep Squatch, and all the other Squatches out there is because Bigfoot wants to stick his dick in just about anything. And Sheep Squatch reached out to us on Twitter, actually. that was amazing hang on a second put a pin in that preston that was the best shit in the world man yeah because we our facebook is fairly active but facebook is a shit pile when it comes to promoting things you can't promote anything as a business or public page without paying Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that is just ridiculous and poppycock. Um, we've got a Twitter. Twitter, I think, is just not quite. We don't use Twitter hardly at all. Yeah, and, and it's it's hard to because we have we only have five following nine followers, and even on there when you do hashtags, I just find it so hard to break in. Yeah, break into Twitter. I think, tw- in my opinion, Twitter's dying. It has and it's died for me a long time ago. But yeah, I think that like a lot of people aren't really using Twitter like they used to. So it's kind of hard. Yeah, to I don't do think. It. I think you're right. I mean, it's it's more to me like political and celebrity and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I think Instagram's kind of where it's at. But yeah, we uh, for episode sixty eight, you put the uh, visual companion guide up on Twitter, and then like three days, three or four days later, I would get a tweet, and it's like from Sheep Squatch. <laughs> it <Yeah>. says, <laughs> "It says that doesn't look anything like me, jerk ass." <laughs> Hashtag sheep squatch. And if you go to if you go to that profile, it's basically somebody made a pro profile for sheep squatch, and it's yeah. got like a uh, shit. What's that? The vital statistics thing page for his banner. It says a crossover between a mutton and a man. Huge woolly hair, white or white or dirty white. Huge fangs and a big dick. <laughs> and like all the and all his tweets are like redneck quote of the days (laughs) like it's just yeah it's clearly a parody account but it's fucking hilarious and i thought that was pretty cool we all fucking died that night so sorry preston we we hijacked that but go ahead man sorry it's okay let's get back to brass tacks okay so these uh winged humanoids are generally about five feet tall and uh with eerie feminine features and they are known to swoop down on their victims and it and attack several times so like you know owls or bats right uh-huh. they lurk in the darkest caves all <laughs> over the world and will reportedly swoop upon their victims with claws and fangs but where these guys really lurk is in myth and legends as there are few actual encounters have been reported so trying to dig up stories on these motherfuckers was hard as hell because there's only like one or two mm-hmm so let's hit up the folklore, okay? The Mananangal, or the Tick-Tick, as it's called because of the sound that it makes, it is said that it uses this sound to confuse their intended victims. But it also may, but also may represent a form of bat-like sonar, which they use to secure their prey during their nocturnal raids. So, these blood friends beasts assume the form of a beautiful woman with huge boobs. Hmm. Shit. <laughs> huh. Leathery wings. They have huge leathery wings. Okay. Now the Mananango uh, roots the lower half of her body into the ground and then detaches her to- torso in order to take flight in search of new quarry. So imagine for a second, like, you know, you're out in the rice paddies or, you know, whatever people do in the Philippines or out late at night, you know. And all of a sudden, you just see this shape, and it, like, skyrockets from the ground, and bam, just crashes in. And then you hear this, like, horrible, like, tearing noise, and then you just see a pair of legs with a bloody stump just hanging out of the ground. And then the rest of it's flying off, like, you know, guts hanging out of it, boobs, wings, and it's flying off. That is the (laughs) tick-tick. Weird. Yeah. Now, the tick-tick is notorious for its thirst for uh, human fetuses, especially the hearts, uh, which it bores out of the womb of the mothers with its pro, uh, proboscis-like tongue. So it basically attacks pregnant women and shoves its tongue down into 
you know, where the fetus is and rips out the little baby's hearts and like munches on it. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, in a pinch, if it can't find pregnant women, you know, adult blood will do it, but it prefers the other. Jeez. Yeah. Now, there are some similarities between that and the European vampire because it hates garlic and salt. And another similarity that they share with Western vampires is the fact that they were allegedly human before being infected by another tick-tick. And... uh, (laughs) It says here that uh, how how you know how can you become a tick tick right? Um, they say dress for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> yeah, uh, dress to impress, ladies. Okay, <laughs> so according to Filipino legend, one can become a tick tick by consuming a black baby chicken that was raised inside the throat of another of their ilk. So I, I guess like if you find a tick tick and reach inside his throat and pull out this black baby chick and they're like, dude, this this like this is like a fucking treat right here. This is amazing. And pop it in your mouth, <laughs> you will turn into a tick tick. Now, if I catch you doing this, Sean, I will have to hang you upside down till you vomit the parasitic chicken back up. <laughs> That's the only way you're getting out of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, if I want to kill you what I have to do is I have to find your, your your lady parts that are stuck in the ground, and I have to smear ash and salt on it. That way, when the, the rest of you, the top half, wants to rejoin, it can't because you're allergic to salt and ash. So when the sun comes up, because you're not whole, like magical rays of sunshine, oh, you return back to your human form. Oh, good. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a, you don't have to, like, you know, do the whole stake in the heart thing. You know, you don't have to kill you. You just, you know, spread some salt and ash on the wound, and you'll basically turn back into a human. Hell yeah. That's yeah. Good. So the Night Flyer, right? Yes. Um, there's only been one kind of known sighting for this. I, I dug up another one, but uh, the, the main one with the, the Night Flyer was that according to three Marines um, in Vietnam, so 1969, they're on guard duty near Da Nang, which is in South Vietnam. You know, they're, they're out late at night, and they sighted a group of creatures, the likes of which had never been seen before. The U.S. Marines claimed they had seen three unclothed, hair-covered feminine figures, approximately five feet tall, flying over their po- post in the dead of night. They further claimed that they could hear the leathery flapping of their membranous wings as the fur-covered females soared above. Now, most people say that this is a bunch of shit, that these guys were probably smoking, you know, the jungle grass and and the fact that uh, they'd been, you know, out in the jungle for so long and hadn't had any, you know, feminine contact that, you know, they saw, you know, hallucinated or they just saw these birds and are like, damn... Them fucking birds are looking good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Don Worley, who was a a student in the unknown, um, he decided to write a book about it and uh, interviewed him and said that, uh, you know, he swears that these guys are reliable and that uh, their event, the event that they witness is beyond the capacity of his imagination. Ah. And so this was, you know, the, the the recanting of the tale from one of the soldiers. All of a sudden, I don't know why, 
We all three looked up into the sky, and we saw this figure coming toward us. It had kind of a glow, and we couldn't make it out. It started coming toward us real slowly, and all of a sudden we saw what looked like wings, like a like a bat. Only it was gigantic compared to what a regular bat would be. After it got close enough, we could see what it was. It was like a woman. A naked woman, yeah. She was black. Her skin was black. Her body was black. The wings were black. Everything was black. But it glowed. It Sounds like an edge glowed in the night. Kind of a greenish cast, actually. There was a glow on her and around her. Everything glowed. Looked like she glowed and threw off a radiance. We saw her. Uh, we saw her arms toward the wings, and they looked like regular molded arms, each with a hand and fingers and everything. But they had this skin from the wings going over them, and then she flapped her wings. There was no noise at first. It looked like her arms didn't even have any bones because they were limber just like a bat. She started going over us, and we still didn't hear anything. She was right above us, and when she got over the top of our head, she was maybe six feet or seven feet up. We couldn't do anything. We just froze. We just watched. So we watched her go straight up over the top of us, and still she didn't make any noise flapping those wings. She bottled up to the moon once. That's how close she, she was to us. And we watched her. She got about ten feet or so away from us. And it sounded, you know, like regular wings flapping. And then she started flying off. And we watched her for quite a while. But you know what? The rest of this is just bullshit because it goes on about that. He just basically <laughs> looked at a black woman with wings for like three or four minutes and was just amazed. All right. So other than folklore, that's the only known actual account of the Night Flyer. However, a decade earlier in Japan... A Air Force pilot, Sinclair Taylor, on duty, saw a giant winged man-like being descend toward him. It hovered near him, looking intently at his direction. The being was about seven feet tall, so a little bit bigger than the women. And uh, the panicked guard started firing his weapon, but when he looked back at the spot where the being had was hovering, it had vanished. <sighs> and that's it. That's as far as, like, actual accounts. Um... Yeah, there's no other uh, there's no other accounts. So I'm going to digress for like a couple of minutes and I'm going to bring this all home. OK, OK, you do you, boo. Let's do I'm it to do me. So originally I was going to interview my dad uh, because he was over in Vietnam. Right. And he's always telling me all these like crazy, weird ass stories. And as I'm props doing to your the dad, research, man. Huh? Props to your dad. Yeah, thanks. In the service so man. as. I was reading all these stories about the, the these these creatures. Um, something resonated with me from the stories that my dad told. Now, <clears throat> when he was over in Vietnam and he was actually on jungle patrols, um, when they got deep into the jungle and they would like hide up, you know, hide up in bushes and things like that, and they would secure the area, there were these bugs that were very territorial, so they would make a noise. And once they got adjusted to the soldiers being there, they would kind of shut up. But then if the Viet Cong were coming through, they would start going ape shit again. And my dad called them the fuck you bugs because like <laughs> here in the, the, the United States, you know, like the cicadas, kind of that like in the summertime when they're rubbing their wings together. Well, over there, those bugs made a noise that really sounded like. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> so dad, dad called them the fuck you bugs, right? 
And so, you know, that was an actual creature, but, you know, he didn't, his language, his ability to describe it was, you know, he was trying to, you know, give it a name that you would understand what he was talking about. So when you said, when he said, you know, hey, made a noise like, fuck you, you could kind of imagine that in your head. And so I'm like, well, maybe these reports aren't all bullshit because the natives gave it names like the tick tick because that's the noise that it made or in java they called it the ahool because it made like a ahoo ahoo noise so i'm like you know maybe there's some credence to this and then uh what do they call the the miniature bigfoot over there the orang pendek or pendake anyways the the little midget bigfoot so all these soldiers had these reports of these like little midget Bigfoots that would like throw shit up at the helicopters. Uh-huh. And so dad was guarding a village one night and he said, you know, at nighttime when you're looking for the enemy patrol, like when there's snipers and the, the, the enemy are like trying to hide out, you would look for the, the, the whites of, or the whites of the eyes. And so, you know, they're kind of surveying the area and up in the white eyes, like they can see the whites of these eyes. So dad's like, uh, wow. Tango Charlie 10, uh, we, we need to firebomb the area 10 degrees north. And like just fucking, you know, shit was going off like the 4th of July. Like, you know, dad basically blew those trees up like I blew that hole in that one game that one night, right? There was like a giant crater the next morning. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, you know, you got to go out there and see if you find any bodies and blah, blah, blah. And so when they, they got to the spot to where they blown the shit out of everything, he found these small, like three foot, four foot mangled bodies, and uh, he, they, he got the villagers to come out, and they were like, "Oh yeah, those are you know those are the uh, the, the little people." And he's like, "What?" And you know their language, the way that they could describe it, they just called them the ugly monkeys or the ugly monkey people. Like they didn't have words like we do, like uh, you know um, orangutan right. and things like that. Like we would describe it more like an orangutan. But to them, they were just like hairy midget people. They called the uh, the Vietnamese Bigfoot were called wow. Batuttuts. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And so there was another author, and I don't have his name. Some of the reports, they say it's like a cross between like a bat and a monkey. And if you go over to Africa, it's called the Kungmato. And it's described the same way, right? It's a cross between like a bat and a monkey. And so he's trying to find this elusive creature and he never finds it. And he starts to come to the realization that the reason why they're describing it like that is because that's their only point of reference. They don't have any other words to describe it. So he starts, he goes back to Africa and he starts showing them all these different pictures. So he shows them a picture of like, you know, like a big fruit back from India. And they're like, no, that's not it. And, uh, you know, he shows them all these different pictures of different species of monkeys. And they're like, no, that's not it. So then he shows them a picture of a pterodactyl, and they're like, yeah, that's the Kungamato. That, that's it. That's the bat monkey. And he's like, wait a minute. That's, that's not a bat monkey. That's a fucking huh. dinosaur, you idiots. So then he goes back over to Java and was like, hey, guys, come here, and shows them the picture of the pterodactyl. And they're like, yeah, that's the Ahul. So this light bulb went off in my head that maybe what these people are really seeing is a prehistoric dinosaur. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because there are tons of sightings of people seeing pterodactyls all, all, all over the place. All over the place. Weird. Even uh. here in the United States, the bat squash. Dude, don't fuck with the more than a pterodactyl. <laughs> huh. 
So I want to still picture them as the vampire ladies off of Van Helsing. Oh, yeah. That's not, I mean, you know, pterodactyls are cool, but they're not nearly as sexy as, you know, topless chicks <laughs> with vampire wings. <laughs> yeah, they glow. They have a green glow to them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you picture it the way you want to picture it, Preston. That's fine. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. I had never looked up the uh, the the Vietnamese flying, whatchamacallits. Uh, but yeah, that's nuts, man. You told me like that shit just like went spiraling around and around and around and got nuttier and nuttier. So, yeah. But what did you say earlier about like uh, they they separate themselves from their legs into like bloody stumpy torsos? Yeah. So like you know, imagine so the tick tick. Imagine you know, right above your your pubic area, uh-huh. like they detach right there. So it's basically like their you know their lady parts and their legs are like stuck in the ground. And, like, blood squirting out all over the place. And then the rest of them from, like, the naval area on up flies off. And they're like, ah, ah, like attacking people. Weird. Now, what do those stumpy legs do? Just, like, fall over or just stand there tapping their foot no, impatiently? because they're, like, stuck in the ground. Like, when they land, like, the force, like, plants them in the ground. They're, like, stuck in there. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I thought maybe they just stood there, like, come no, on, come on, <laughs> tapping their foot impatiently. No, yeah. oh, dude. Well, the, the batut-tut. Over there, the the Vietnamese uh, Bigfoot, they were so rapidly reported that um, what was his name? Uh, the the general of North Vietnam, Ming Thao, he actually uh, requested several expeditions to go out and find evidence and try to capture one of them because of all the Vietnamese soldiers uh, reporting seeing those, and the U.S. soldiers too reportedly seeing like yeah. these weird, you know diminutive Bigfoot type creatures. Didn't your dad say something about like the rock apes or something like that? I just told you that story. That's what he blew up in the trees that one night. Oh, okay. We'll cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading about Johnny the Vietnam blew up the rock apes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Casualties of war people. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, hell yeah, man. That's uh that's awesome. Yeah. That's I, a like, lot I like more the, crazy I shit like than I was story. expecting. I think I just think that's really cool that uh, you know that you have that tie-in because your dad told you that story. That's really rad. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome, dude. I'm still thinking we I should mean, do an episode about your dad. If exists, then the tick tick has to be out there. Yeah, I think so, dude. And the fuck you bugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the shit. Yeah. Well, guys, I say we go ahead and tie it off there, unless you have anything else to add on. I'm good. I think that's pretty. Yep, let's put some salt and ash on it and call it a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, next time around, we will jump into that uh, that Jersey Devil uh, on the second episode we drop uh, towards the end of uh, October. Now, are we are we going to go ahead and do a Halloween episode, guys? Should we do a bonus Halloween episode? Um, if it was, uh, I don't know, because we uh, have to think. I was going to wrap up. For the end of the wrap-up show, um, we're yeah. going to be down in Rob's Neck of the Woods on for yeah. Halloween for the charity stream. And I know we're going to probably do a roundtable down there, I would assume. I okay. hope. I, yeah. There should be no reason why we shouldn't because we'll have all four of us. Uh, well, not including Preston, unfortunately. But it'll be Corey, myself, Sean, and Rob. So that would be a perfect time for um, some kind of... Round table. It doesn't have to be paranormal. It'll just be us just talking, whatever. Um, yeah. 
And then we also have we also need to set up with Leslie and John the CD Trade Post live show this this year. Oh yeah, or, this year live show this month. Yeah, and she said that we can do that whenever. So we really need to get on that and figure out a night that can work for all three of us, so we can go down yeah. there and do that. That way they can get that promoted and stuff like that. And she's gonna make oh, yeah. bomb ass lasagna, which is dope. Boom, so, shakalaka. Yeah. Well, so maybe maybe with the schedule, I didn't think about the trip. Maybe uh, Jersey Devil. Maybe we'll continue to do cryptids through November then, because there's still a couple more cool things I want to get to. We're kind of uh, reaching a crescendo of uh, awesome stories, so maybe we end up going a little farther then, and we'll uh, do a couple more throughout November. But yeah, but who knows, guys? There could be some special stuff dropping unannounced on uh, in in October still. So don't count that out. So all right, cool. Anything you guys want to plug? Wait, another plug. Uh, of course. For show. Um, I want to plug our Extra Life charity. Um, can't remember if we decided on a name <laughs> or whatever, but I know Sean's been busy with other graphic design opportunities lately. But we're going to have, I think, uh, possibly a new logo for that. Also a new logo for the show coming soon as well. And mm-hmm. uh, so once we get the official Extra Life charity uh, page set up, we'll share that. We'll continue to share that in the show notes on the page. Everything like that. And what it is, is at this month, this year, we're doing at the end of this month where we game for 24 hours. It'll be myself, Sean, Rob, and Corey. And we will uh, play video games to raise money for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. It's going to be pretty awesome. Nice. Cannot wait for that. And um, so, yeah, if you see the page, check it out. Uh, Donate if you can. If not, just share or just drop by and hit us up on the Facebook stream when that goes down. Cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Hell yeah. And we'll be promoting that across all of our uh, social medias uh, come closer to that time. So hell yeah. And then uh, something else that we need to mention too. I I wanted to drop a little bit about this earlier last uh, episode, but um, guys, you still have time when this episode drops. If you live in or around the Wichita area, we are, uh, we're deep into WBS horror fest, 2018, at the Wichita Old Town Warren, they are showing some really badass um, horror movies throughout the month of October. And well, this will drop just the most. Not so much to Shayla <laughs> or Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, badass does. Um, Monday and Tuesday, October 15th and 16th, you can check out the 4K restoration of Reanimator, um, showing at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m., only five bucks plus tax per uh, showing. Monday, October 22nd, one night only, the original Hills Have Eyes, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 5 bucks. Uh, Tuesday, October 23rd, a sweet, sweet double feature, The Changeling and Chud, 10 bucks for two amazing movies, starts at 7. And then, guys, if you do one thing, Stephen and I are going to miss this. Preston, maybe you can still go. Uh, Leaf... The gentleman who's responsible for all this horror goodness has been fighting tooth, nail, claw, tentacle. Um, Monday and Tuesday, October 29th and 30th, the original Dawn of the Dead will be shown in 3D. And apparently it is uh, – words don't do it justice how great this 3D version uh, restoration of this movie is going to be. I wish. And Leaf fought really hard uh, to get this. It's really an amazing feat that Wichita is going to get it because it's not very widely released at all. So mm-hmm. definitely, guys, check that stuff out. Do yourself a favor and go watch at least one of these. Hell, watch them all. That'd be awesome. But 
Sweet ass, sweet. Presto, what you got? What you plugging? As always, need a beard, want a beard, want to grow a leathery bat face beard? <laughs> Check out Big Dobbs Beard Bomb.com and I never remember our promo code, so Sean's going to give that to you. Use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire order. And presto, what is my favorite race car podcast in the entire world? Sports Cars Unleashed. Boom shakalaka. Check that out. If you like cars and racing them, you got to check out Rich and the gang and check out their uh, podcast. I heard it's great and I love it. Um, and also check out Mark Solocast, the Pixelated Sausage Show. He's got all sorts of good stuff on there for you guys to put in your ear holes as well. And big thanks to uh, Mark. Without him, we wouldn't be uh, in your guys' ears right now as we speak. So, And I'd like to give a special shout-out to John Hammond for doing the Dover Demon with us this evening. You get back to Jurassic Park. No, I was okay. like, who are you talking? Ah, oh, now it clicked. <laughs> yeah, Steve, <laughs> it Steve's clicked. rocking an amazing Jurassic Park hat right now. Yeah, Aaron got this for me for my birthday. I fucking love it. It's so good. Yeah, I think you should wear it for every episode. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Right. So. Yeah, hell yeah. And a big shout out to all of our new listeners, all of our new followers on Instagram. Um, it is a small feat, but it should be mentioned we have gone all the way to 50 followers on Instagram. That truly is a feat all on its own. 51, guys. 51. I think only two of those are robots. So yeah. that's pretty sweet. Pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Keep your eyes peeled for special stuff throughout this month. You never know. And we might drop you a trick or a treat. Steve-O. See the alien? Oh, <laughs> above you. That's nice. <laughs> awesome. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time around. All right. Later, guys. Peace. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal.com at gmail.com If you'd like to leave us a voicemail we have that set up too Dial us at 707-523-4263 Again, that's 707-523-4263 We'd really love to hear from you Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal Your guide to the unusual and The Strange Will do. Would it be possible to take a piss real quick? <laughs> On camera, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can <laughs> let me see your dick. Put That's a mark put a marker down when you know when you know. When <laughs> uh, no, whatever. I'll just keep it keep it running. We'll just okay. keep the recordings running and I'll just cut it. Alright, I'll be right back. <laughs> Preston, no picking. <laughs>